Welcome to Live Courageously, and this is number five of my podcast show, and we're living in very challenging times. Um, and because of that reality, I chose the title of Live Courageously because that's been my theme of my life for the last two years since the start of the pandemic. Fear is a reaction. Well, courage is a choice. You need to choose courage to get through, and I suggest that you choose courage. So I've done four shows so far with some amazing folks that you want to learn from, and you can watch it on my Live Courageous uh, YouTube channel or John Duffy YouTube channel. I uh, spoke with, uh, my first guest was Eileen Gruber, an actress, a um, producer, a writer, a uh, activist in the disabled movement in Hollywood. Uh, the second person was Maurice Termite Watkins, uh, a boxer, almost a world champ, uh, a trainer of, of boxing with kids, and he ended up from Houston, Texas. He ended up taking Iraq to the Olympics in 2004 during the worst time of the war. And we're in a partnership to make the story of his life called They Call Me Termite. The third guest was uh, G. Anthony Joseph, originally born in Trinidad. He's a, an actor, a producer, a martial artist, an inspirer. And he just gave us uh, some amazing stuff on discipline, focus, and how you uh, live a uh, powerful life. And then the last one that I've interviewed before I... Uh, this show was, um, I did a two hour with Jason Cisneros, who is uh, so many things I can't even get into them, but a, a motivator, a speaker, an author, a warrior against sex trafficking among children, a business uh, turnaround specialist, and on and on and on. So I spent two hours with him. All of them are up on the YouTube channel. So get a chance, go see uh, Live Courageously. And the people I'm going to be introducing to you on this show uh, chose courage in life, and they chose not to retreat in life in general, but also during the pandemic. So when I began planning this show, I originally had 40 plus courageous uh, friends of mine that I planned on interviewing. It has now grown to uh, 65 and is continuing to grow. So I'll introduce them to you one, one every week and have great conversations with them. Hope you join us and I'll, I'll believe that you'll be inspired by my guests. So today, let me introduce you to another amazing person, uh, to someone, a good friend, uh, Ron Weinreich. And Ronnie uh, is an Israeli-American artist, an entrepreneur, a leadership development expert based between Israel and Los Angeles. Born in Israel, raised in the United States, he served in the Israeli Defense Force as a tank commander when he was injured in a war between Israel and Lebanon at the age of 20. Ronnie rehabilitated himself, went to business school, became a famous uh, performing and recording artist, and we'll get to play uh, one of his songs today that I, that I particularly really love. And, um, and parallel, parallel to his musical endeavors, he has cultivated what he calls his alter ego as a transformational business consultant and leadership development expert for one of the world's most extraordinary business consultant firms, uh, Mark Kamen and Associates. Okay, that's just the Cliff Notes uh, version. But he is all that, and he's so much more. And if you meet him in person or just read his posts on social media, you are introduced to a unique, inspirational human that is about making the world a better place. Ron has a saying that captures, I think, a little bit of his life and philosophy. And he says, you get to say how your life goes. So as I step forward, uh, let's welcome my good brother, Ron, to live courageously. All right. Welcome. How you doing, Ron. JD? It's hey, so hey. good to see you, man. 
It is so fantastic to see you. It's been way, <laughs> way too long, man. It's good to see you. Always. Well, I, I like I always like to start out the show with uh, two things. And um and the first one is just because it's friends of mine and you're uh, a dear friend of mine, is where did we first meet and how did we connect? Because a lot of times it just lets people know how a uh, an event can make a connection for a lifetime and can make a, a brotherhood for a lifetime. So if you remember, if you don't, I remember very vividly uh, our first meeting, but I, I'll throw it to you first. I think that we met at this event in Hollywood, if I'm not mistaken, in Hollywood in Los Angeles, right? There was, it might've been either like a, a screening event of some of uh, right? Some kind of like veteran film screening event, right? You got it, and, that's what it was. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and I remember us, you know, they were getting drinks down in like a basement or something like that. And then at some point, the most important part of that evening, though, was that at some point we kind of went outside to the street. It was late at night already. And, um, and you know, we were just hanging on the sidewalk um, uh, and getting to know each other. And I was getting to know, you know, you and your background was blown away, of course. And um, just from here to there, you know, it's like we say, birds of a feather flock together. And very quickly, within a few sentences, you know who you're dealing with. And if this is a person, you know, that, that you know, kind of like I align with ideologically or not. And when I say ideologically, I don't necessarily mean, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean politics. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's like an ideology of of what humanity means to you or what it looks to you. And I think really quick, we kind of connected. Well, all, all of the above is true. I mean, it was, um, you know, it was a cold night in Hollywood. We, we were at a, uh, it was a film festival with military veterans and that's what all the films were. So it was, I knew a bunch of the people there, but you came in and I remember when we met inside and went outside, it was freaking freezing outside. And yet we just hung out for at least an hour after it was over and the conversation just kept going and going and going. And unfortunately at that point, you know, it got to a point where we had to end the conversation, but I didn't want to because there was just so much I was learning about you. And like you said, that connection that we had something in common, that bond that you just feel it, you know what it is. And, and um, that's led to other times that we got a chance to get together. And um, you know, I, uh, for me, it was a, uh, you invited me to a Shabbat at your, your place in Hollywood. And that was a, a great evening meeting some of your amazing friends. And that just kind of cemented it for me, our uh, friendship and bond even further, you know, and then there was a couple of things that you wanted to do with me that we never got to do because life uh, kind of threw a, a thing. I don't know if you remember both of them, but both of them were things that you suggested to me and I wanted to do both of them. Uh, and someday we will at least do maybe one or two or whatever. But if you remember those, I would just like to share it because it kind of gives a little insight to who uh, you are, the kind of person you are, and why I, I resonate so highly with you. Go, go ahead. If you want to share them, I don't want to – I might be thinking of something else. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe that's good too. I don't know. I, I'll throw it to you. You get one, I get one. I don't know. Um, uh, if you remember either one of them, and if you don't, just say I don't. I think well, one 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 of them. I think one of them was like uh, was a fund that uh, that I was raising money for called the Healing Dove Children's Fund, right? And I all already yes. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was that wasn't the one I was thinking of, but that was one that I wanted to talk to you about. So that's so you know, let's start there. Let's uh, you know, okay. 
because it tells uh, it takes us an insight into who you are that also impressed me was that thing when you started telling me about that and what you did. So why don't you uh, uh, share that and, and what your work was and what you were attempting to do with that? Well, it's, it's you know, it's, it's really great that you're bringing this up because I thought I thought about this a few weeks ago. And, you know, there's so I'm one of these guys that anyone who knows me knows that I'm always up to all kinds of stuff. And I'm always, you know, kind of like starting this project or doing that. And, you know, I'm even even too much to an extent, even all over the place to an extent, you know, always busy doing this and that. That was so the Healing of Children's Fund was actually an organization that I founded while I was out in L.A. And the idea was, you know, it's just looking at what can really make a difference in uh, in the Middle East, you know, but something that would be really out of the box, really kind of extraordinary. Um, you know, like you, you said in the in the intro, in the bio that you were, you know, reading uh, about me was that I was injured during as an IDF soldier. I was a tank commander in the Israeli Defense Forces. And um, and, you know, the. I grew up in the United States, but when I was a teenager, I came to Israel and then I did high school and I went to the military and I had the time of my life in the military it was the most empowering, most powerful thing I've done in my life uh, at the time. And, you know, I suffered a, a, a big injury at war, which really kind of knocked me off my feet. I'd like to say kind of literally, cause I've been sitting in a chair and rolling from place to place ever since. And um, cause I suffered a spinal injury and, um, and, you know, there's kind of the whole thing in the Middle East is one hell of a phenomenon, man, because it, it's, it's one of those conflicts that the greatest minds in humanity have all tried to tackle this thing. And, you know, probably thousands of books were written about it. And every school of diplomacy and in every university on the planet has, you know, studied this and debated this. But at the end of the day, no one has come up with, with the, whatever is going to make it work here. It's like, you know, it's like the, it's like the ultimate conflict, you know? And, um, and I was kind of inquiring one day to, you know, what, what could make a difference? And no matter how I spin it, I'd have no answer. I just don't know. And frankly, no one knows, no one knows what's going to make a difference in this whole thing. But the only thing that I do know is that, it kind of bothers me that kids get messed up, you know, children get messed up because of the conflicts of grownups, because it's, you know, like, what, what did they do? They didn't do anything. I mean, I'm, I get around in a wheelchair and I'm actually pretty fine with that because, you know, even though I was a young guy, I, you know, I still had a mind that I could think with and I went to a war and I wanted to go kill bad guys and blah, blah, blah. And I suffered the consequences, you know, here I am big deal. Like, and, and I really, thank God, I don't have many, I don't have much, I don't have issues about that because, you know, you take risks. Sometimes you win some, you lose some, this is it. This is life. Like, welcome to your life, you know, but the kids, you know, they're kids that they get blown up or maimed or, left however they're left without families without parents and that really you know even with what's going on in ukraine right now you really get messed up when you see the kids you know it really messes people up so i wanted to start this foundation which was the the only idea of it would be you know let's raise money and um and see if we can get kids from both sides and uh, who were injured in some capacity 
and to bring them to Israel and to really rehabilitate them, you know, to put them through like a really strong, powerful rehabilitation, physical and emotional and mental rehabilitation program that would, um, that would fill their hearts, you know, and, and bridge between the two sides. Because if you think about it, a kid that would be disabled, um, whether it's emotionally or physically in this conflict would uh, pretty much hate the other person for the rest of their life, you know? And um, so I just thought that would be a cool thing. Actually raised, started raising some money for it, had a team put together. And at some point, uh, to tell you the truth, that turned into one of the projects that I revoked, meaning I gave my word to it in the beginning. And especially when COVID came around, then this whole thing about, you know, getting children between borders, this was in the beginning of COVID. I'm sure you can remember that God knows what the heck was going on in the world. And it was just insane, you know, the uncertainty. And we didn't know anything what was what was going to go on um, at the time. And uh, and when I looked at it, I said, wow, you know, this is it's too uncertain. It's too unstable. This is a project that's going to go on the back burner. I'm not going to do it. And I actually called up the donors um, and I just gave them back the money. And I said, I cannot I cannot fulfill on what I promised you that I would do with your money. So I'm giving you your money back and I, and you know, put it to good use for something else. And that's how it was. Well, I just, you know, you, it, there's a whole lot in what you just said. There's a whole, whole lot in what you just said. Now, I just want to unpack a little bit of it, but um, you know, I, I kind of resonate because you talk about the, the, the Middle East and the problems with the Middle East and, and, and how long and the amount of books written and me coming from my family came from Ireland, North and South. And so there was a smaller version of what you're talking about, the Middle East with the Protestant Catholic and, and the fights that went on there. And recently I saw the movie Belfast, which in the movie, you know, it's kind of told, told from a perspective of a young kid who's kind of trapped in the middle. His, his family's Protestant, but the hatred between the, the Catholics and the Protestants and eventually it becomes, you know, untenable and they have to step out and move away, even though they don't want to. But, you know, unpacking what you you said, one of the things you said in it, which is one of the things I really uh, appreciate in you and all the readings that I, I see of you on Facebook is that, you know, and I think more people need to uh, get this kind of perspective is like, you know, you said you don't know the answers. Really? don't we all know everything? I mean, you know, people, sometimes we have this thing that we think we know the answers to everything. And it's knowing that we don't know the answers and that we don't know the solution is a place to, to get to. I think that's a, a strong place rather than make them believe you do know the answers or that there is simple answers because there's not. Um, and some of these things, it's very freaking complex. And so you're, I, I admire you, A, for saying that, but also then admiring you for being able to say, because of the reality, I couldn't take this to completion. So I did the right thing. And you, and you stepped away, not to say that you may ever step back again in the future or not. That's a choice that you will make based on reality. But I appreciate both of those things. Um, but what I, I, the third thing to unpack was just, and you had told me about it back then, it was just you, you know, that's what hit me was, okay, here's this guy, American, Israeli, served, uh, got wounded in a wheelchair, and your focus was what can I do to help kids of both of both sides? And I think that is a um, also a powerful thing that we can all 
see from in, in all the conflicts that go on big and small in life if we can look at it from the point of view of what we can do for the vulnerable for the the young for the people who are not causing the problem it 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 would be a good way to step into it but i don't know if you want to uh, add to that but that's just some of the things i'm listening to as you speak yeah i you know the the main what i'm what i'm kind of noticing a thought that comes up for me while i hear you talking about this also kind of giving it back to me is is about the not knowing the answer you see like here's the thing if some other person probably told me that they started a foundation that's going to buy you know baseball bats to kids for kids in rwanda or i don't know what you know I mm-hmm. would think to myself, oh my God, what if this guy has like nothing to do in his life? What a, you know, what is he bored? Come on, buddy, like get a life, dude. Like you, you don't have any, any purpose in your life. So you're just like finding crap to do so you can, you know, make people clap for you or whatever. Like, you know, and I would genuinely have that thought. You know, I would think that. And then I can acknowledge, wow, Ron, what a jerk you are. Like, you know, what are you doing besides judging people and, you know, sitting on your damn couch and saying, look at this guy and look at that guy, you know, like, and I don't know the answers. I really don't know what difference it's going to make. But I mean, literally when I, when I decided that I was going to start that thing. And again, I acknowledge that I, I actually, in reality, didn't do anything move. I didn't move it forward in the end. But even that for me was like, you know, I see that there is something that um, that I'm not okay with in the world and I don't know how to solve it, but I can try and I can even see, I can try it on. You know how like sometimes you try, you go to a clothing store and there's, I don't know, your wife tells you, you know, hey, JD, you know, there's this pink blazer that you should, you should try. And you're like, hell no, I'm not touching that. What are you crazy? I wouldn't wear a pink blazer in my life. But then you said, you know, it's like, just, just try it on for a second. Just try it on. And it takes some mental wherewithal to go, you know what? Okay, whatever. I'll try it on. And then you stand in the mirror and you go, Hey, you know, this ain't that bad. I didn't think it was going to look this, this good on me. Or you just put it back on the hanger and go on to the next thing. It doesn't matter. You know, like if it works, great. If it doesn't work, let it go, move on. Find the next thing that works. That's where I stand with it. Well, you know, I'll come back to this just a little bit later, but I'm going to just jump back to the two other things that you invited me to besides that one. That So that would be three things. But, you know, in the future, I want to ask, you know, speak to that one you just said, but that's something I see in you and I see it on your social media all the time. Two pieces, which I think people can learn from and people have a hard time with. One is being able to say what you think and then say, well, you know, think about it again and say, yeah, I was being a jerk here or maybe I was wrong here. That that self-questioning, that ability to have self-questioning. I'll come back to that with you, too. You know, and, and then the, will, the willingness to try things on and whether they go or they don't go. Both of those things are qualities that I think people can learn from you, but can learn in life as well. The two things you had uh, also suggested to me, and obviously the pandemic through uh, interest in curveballs on both of those, was one at one point you were going to rebuild an RV and uh, make it so that you could drive it cross country. And then you offered me to go with you on this cross country tour which of course, t- talking about trying on the pink jacket, it was the pink jacket for me. I was like, really? 
going cross country. <laughs> this is interesting. Not something uh, the kid from the Bronx would do. Normally. No, but <laughs> and you knew that, and but you offered it, and, and then of course I did think about it a second time, and I went, "Damn, that would be a great adventure." And of course I wanted to do it. Um, and I know you you started down the road, and then you know things got thrown in the way again. And then the same when you went to Israel and you moved down to Israel, you invited me to come and spend some time with you down there, which that was something I was like, yeah, I, I love. I've never been there. That would be a, a real a learning experience for me and a growth experience. So I wanted to do that. And of course, then COVID put the kibosh on that and you couldn't go to uh, go, uh, travel into Israel. But anyway, those are three different things that you kind of uh, threw out there into my life that, you know, um, all of them were things that kind of uh, caught my interest. In well, interested. the RV, the RV still happened. The RV project is being built right now in LA. And the, the intention is that by August it'll be um, it's a, it's pretty much for just everyone to know it's an RV that I purchased to, you know, we gutted it, took everything out of it and turning it into a wheelchair accessible RV that has, you know, like an, an, ele an elevator, like a lift to it and the whole thing so that, Eventually, we can, you know, rent it out and have RVs that are available to people who have some kind of physical disability or kids with a physical disability that they actually, you know, I learned, unfortunately, through my own experience that once you are in a chair, once you're once, you know, you have some kind of disability or even, you know, people who are elderly, then suddenly the great outdoors is uh, you're confined to pavement. The great outdoors are no longer accessible to you because it really takes something to be, you know, in those places. And if you're anything like me, when, you know, there's nothing that connects me more to myself and more to God than just, you know, sitting on some kind of vista in the middle of nowhere where I can't hear any cars and I don't see any people. And, you know, I, that's just like, uh, I wanted to make that available to people again. Well, you know, I know when you told me at the time, it was just, it just sounded like such a great um, project. And um, I'm Oh, there we go. That's all right. Uh, a, a great project. And then, you know, so yeah, August. Well, I, you know, I'm as as that period uh, uh, comes, I'm still on board for that journey at, down the road with you then. So that's a good one. And then, of course, I still want to get to Israel. And that's another uh, journey I would love to go on and get a chance mm -hmm. to be uh, experienced it through your eyes and be able to get your insights into uh, a, a place that I know so little about uh, it, com in comparison, obviously. So but those are cool things, man. But, you know, your, your life has been um, so many phases and you keep, um, like you said, you keep getting into things. You, you know, you're somebody who gets into things. And so after the war and you're 20 years old and you're wounded, you went through a, a, a I, I think, a pretty long rehab till you eventually got to the next phase and then you started going again. So if you can just maybe take the audience a little bit on that journey from that to the next to the next some of the things that you went obviously to business to music take us through a little bit of, of your life journey um as you went through it well you know i can i can i'm gonna just be brutally frank about this okay because there's ways to talk about this kind of stuff that's gonna be you know really conceptual and really you know really cutesy schmutzy or whatever but i'm just gonna be super straight about this I, I went from being a hotshot tank commander, you know, at the age of 20, who's like as gun ho as it gets and, you know, leading my men, you know, in war. It was the most glorious time in my life and I was very proud of it. And then suddenly a building collapsed on me and um, and shattered my spine 
And I, a few days, you know, within a few days, found myself waking up in a hospital where I was, I, I mean, I was like a bag of broken bones. You know, I was physically capable, mentally capable, emotionally capable. And then it all just suddenly, you know, came to a sudden abrupt stop. Um, and I had to be, you know, they couldn't move me. Everything was super painful. I was you know, had had to have what they call a sponge bath in my in my bed because they couldn't move me into a shower. Um, you know, you're naked all the time. People have to, uh, in the beginning, it's like, you know, diapers and and you can't control anything. People have to put you in the shower. They have to put you on the toilet. You can't do anything by yourself. I mean, it was, I remember one time where a physical therapist had to come by and teach me how to put my shoes on. I, I realized, you know, like, God, you know, everyone, it's kind of one of those things that you take for granted. I took it for granted myself. I, you know, think about it. You wake up every morning, right? And you think I'm going to put my pants on, right? And what's the first thing you think about? I grab the pair of pants and I open it. I hold it like this, right? And I put like one leg in and then I put my other leg in and I pull it up, right? That's like me putting on my pants, right? Well, suddenly I couldn't do that anymore. So how in God's name do you put your damn pants on then? And someone had to teach me how to get dressed again, how to put my shoes on. And I, I remember feeling almost ashamed, not almost, I felt ashamed. I felt like a baby, you know, like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm like a giant overgrown baby. And um, humbling is one way to put it, but it was really depressing. And maybe the biggest word would be disgusting. I was pretty disgusted with myself. Like, how did I end up like this? Um, so it took a while until I actually, you know, it took about half a year that I was in a hospital until I was finally released. And man, when I got out of that hospital, I did everything I could to try and maintain my former identity. Um, everyone suddenly in the world was relating to me as, you know, as like a, on the one hand, everyone would say, you're a hero, you're a hero, you're a hero, which in my eyes was BS because I didn't really do, in my eyes, I didn't do anything heroic. I mean, it was just fighting like everyone else does in Israel. But, you know, very naturally people related to me in a, uh, with very apprehensively and with care and with some, with a degree of pity, you know, like, oh my God, this, you know, look what happened to him. You know, it's like, ugh, it, it's, it's always in the background. And if, you know, when I'd go to the bank and um, someone in, you know, the banks, they have those big windows, right? Like usually outside of the banks and someone sitting in the bank would see guy in a wheelchair rolling up to the bank. Everyone in the bank shoots out of the you know, out of the waiting line and they run to the front door. Who's going to open up the door for the disabled guy first? You know, I wish I could strangle those people to death whenever <laughs> they go. don't. I will. And I'm telling you, I was the biggest jerk. I wouldn't say thank you to them. I would just give them like a, you know, like a total F you. I hated that I was confined to being pitied by the world. It drove me nuts. And my, I mean, and when I became this, like, I, I want to call, you know, I called myself Ron. That's my name. But when I opened my eyes in the morning, it wasn't Ron that was waking up. It Who woke up in the morning was a, a machine 
called Ron that his only objective was to not look weak so that people wouldn't relate to him as a broken, incapable person. And that was what I lived for, you know, like everything. I mean, I sawed off the, I had the handles on my wheelchair, you know, the handles on the back of the wheelchair. I had them sawed off so that God forbid someone wouldn't even fathom pushing me around. Cause every, every once in a while, somebody would try and help and they just start pushing me in the middle of the street. Really nice people too. That's the funny thing. They're, they're like, I mean, you think about it. It's like, wow, that's such a kind hearted person. You know? like, he sees some, this idiot, you know, going up a hill, like barely getting up a hill. What's the first thing that a nice guy says, Hey buddy, let me just help you out. You know? And I mean, I almost broke somebody's hand one, one time because, because he dared push me, you know? And so that was, that was my life, you know? And it affected me in so many ways. It affected me in my relationship with my parents. It affected, because every time, I don't know, when my mother would ask me, how are you? To me, it was always, um, what's wrong? And, you know, so, and I would, and then I would lash out at her in a very nasty way. Everything's fine. You know, I'd, I'd be very short tempered. And it was, um, on the one hand, I was very effective, very like, you know, like a bulldozer type guy. But on the other hand, my relationships were suffering until uh, until I realized this, that I was just a huge jerk that's rolling around from place to place, you know, and and like leaving a wake of good, kind hearted people behind me who have to deal with this prickly, you know, I was like this, I was like a cactus, just, you know, like it's just, it was prickly, very, very prickly. You touch me, it's sharp. You might get cut if you mess with me. Nobody wants to be, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a very fun way to live a life. And so going through all that uh, for you, Ron, um, do you remember a, a point, what was the turning point? Was it one thing? Was it uh, 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 many things that got you to say, okay, just like you describe yourself very vividly being a machine that got out of bed to be that uh, strong to, you know, not let anybody help you. What was the, the turning point or turning points that made you start to change again and why? The turning point that really got me to change um, well, before that, I'll just say that since I was like in a in a in a near death experience at a young age, right? And I went through some gnarly stuff in my rehab, in my rehabilitation. I really believed, truly, honestly believed that that I have been through the hardest hardship, and that no one can teach me about life. I know that. Everything that there is to know about life, I almost died. I was through this and that, you know, and and even if someone had any kind of criticism to me, I was just a big F you. You're going to tell me how to live my life. You've, you haven't, you've never been what I've been. You've never done what I've done, right? Um, until I reached, uh, I, I fell in love with this amazing girl in L.A., and to, to just put it very frankly, we had a, just a horrible relationship, mm. horrible, horrible, horrible relationship for almost two years. 
I, it was, I couldn't get it to work. We were just, you know, like two chickens poking each other's eyeballs out all the time. And no matter what I tried, I couldn't get it to work. I threw thousands of dollars on couples therapy with the best couples counselor in LA. And I read books on how to communicate with women. And I saw YouTube videos on how to da, 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 da. You name it. I tried it, spent so much money. I couldn't get it to work. I could coach you on how to speak with your wife and what to say and what to say. But the second that she said something to me, I lost it. I was just enraged, you know, to the point where I almost, I was this close to, to getting physical, mm. to physically reacting. And it scared the hell out of me. And I, uh, you know, I ran out of the house crying because I thought this isn't me. This, uh, this something is going on here, which enrages me, you know, and it's not natural. And um, from here or there, I went and I did this course. That is the second most important thing that I've done in my life. It was called the Landmark Forum. And um, it, it's what got me into the world of transformation and what I do in my life also today. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, that's when I started to really, in, you know, to put it, in a nutshell, I started to inquire into, instead of looking at myself like as a fixed way of being, like this is just who I am, I started to inquire through that kind of work that we did there. How did you end up being this way? Because, you know, when you were born, man, you didn't come out of your mother and she didn't hold you in her arms and said, oh, we got an angry one. <laughs> I wasn't born like that. What the hell happened? Right. How did I become this human being that can't handle, you know, certain situations that in certain situations I'm super confident, but in other situations I'm completely insecure. How did that how did that happen? You know? And and I never thought about it that way. And it was, a, it was an intellectual exercise. And when I got to, I mean, one of the things that I discovered really is that there was a moment in when I was in the hospital where the first time that they, that they rolled me into the shower and I looked and I was laying on my back. This was about a month after my injury. I haven't seen myself in a mirror. And, and they rolled me into the shower and I'm laying on my back and there's this spotlight in the ceiling above my head like inside of the shower and there's a there's a chrome ring around the around the light and for the first time i saw my reflection i saw my naked reflection in that ring in the ceiling and it i couldn't believe it it's like i couldn't recognize myself i looked like a ghost i looked like a dead body and it hit me in the chest like a bag of bricks and i thought to myself oh my God, that's you. You're a broken man. Like, I'm done. I'm broken. I'm, I'm incapable. I can't do anything anymore. I'm finished. What woman's ever going to want me? Who's ever going to employ me? I can't move a goddamn couch. I can't change a freaking light bulb. Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm like a disgusting, pitiful, you know, like a cripple. And, and on the flip side of that, that was so painful. That was such a low point for me that I then, to cope and compensate for that, 
I said to myself, I am going to show this whole freaking world that no one's going to mess with me. And no one messed with me. That's the, that's the funny part. On the one hand, I became this super effective, you know, guy. On the other hand, every, you cannot be in a, in a romantic relationship if you are invulnerable. Good luck, you know, <laughs> good luck. And especially for a man, you know, because I think any guy, any man who's ever in a relationship, your wife or your woman, women are just going to chew you up and spit you out. You know, like you can't mess if you don't open up and just good luck. It's not, you know, it's going to blow up in your face. And that's what happened. It was like every relationship I was in romantically was like a minefield for me. It was just a matter of time it was until it blows up in my face. And it always did. And it was because I was invulnerable. Yeah. So when I saw that, when I, when I realized it first thing, I burst out crying. I realized, oh my God, this is why nothing works for me. Because I cannot be vulnerable. I can't mm -hmm. show weakness. And it was just like a load came off of my life, you know, and suddenly I like being vulnerable or being weak, whatever that means suddenly became available to me as a way that I could be and that it's okay. That was the door that opened up. That was the initial thing. And, and, and of course, life just became a joy after that because I didn't have to do this stupid act, you know, this stupid um, thing, pretending thing that I'm some big hotshot. But really inside, I was so insecure. I, I couldn't, I, you know, I couldn't stand myself. I couldn't look in the mirror with saying like, God, how the hell? Look at you. Who's ever going to want you? Who's you know, going to want you? It, it's the show is called live courageously. And you clearly, you know, and, and sometimes people think courage is just one thing, right? So it's uh, physical courage or it's bravery and it is all that, but it's a lot more when you live courageously. So you live courageously when you were young, when you were in the military, you had that, that bravery, that, that, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm invincible. And then, you know, you, you, when you got injured, you took on another kind of uh, barrier around yourself to protect yourself. But when you made that choice to become vulnerable, when you made that choice to realize that you could cry, you could release this, you could be um, vulnerable to other people. That was another type of courage that you exhibited. You exhibited a, a, a different but probably one of the most important kinds of courage is that you ever needed in your life to be able to let go of all that and step into a new identity that, that was even wider and broader than you were even previously. So I, I just throw that out to you to just kind of comment on, but you know, what, what does live courageously mean to you and how does that shown up in different ways in your life? And that's just me observing it from the outside and listening to you, but what, you know, what's your take on it? That's a good question. You know, I don't know. I have to look. What does live, living courageously mean to me? I think that ultimately living courageously to me means the, the, the real thing which is courageous to me is for, for a human being to give up, um, to give up or uh, who they think they are and to try and discover who they really are, okay? Now, 
I mean, th that to me is really courageous. Now, what do I mean by that? I don't get blown away. Well, let's put it this way. Human beings, we have this kind of default way which we operate in life, okay? Or it doesn't matter if it's a human being or if it's a business, okay? Businesses, organizations, human beings, there's a default way in which we operate in life, right? And if you think about it, the way that we operate in life is actually a way that we kind of like to operate in life. See, you doing this podcast, it's kind of like a natural expression for you. You're doing it because you want to do it. I mean, it's very simple, you know, that's how it is. So, so you know, you can ask, you know, we have these heroes, okay? Like, I don't know, the, uh, uh, the quarterback, what's the, the Super Bowl quarterback, this young dude who, you know, everyone's talking about right now uh, for... Anyway, any any star athlete, okay, or like an astronaut, you know, all these people that we kind of look up to them and we say, oh my God, that person is so extraordinary. And there's a, to tell you the truth, call me a jerk. I don't think those people are, I mean, compared to maybe other people, they're, they're very high performers. But as a human being, I don't know if they're so extraordinary because they're just doing what they know how to do. You know, if you go to if you go to a a rocket science like a, one, of, I have a good friend in LA who's a rocket scientist. Okay, he works for Lockheed for Lockheed Martin. He he works on the jets for F thirty fives or God knows what. It's confidential, so I don't know what he does, but he's a rocket scientist, right? Everyone is like amazed that he's a rocket scientist, and he's always like, I don't know what you guys want from my life because. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a scientist. That's what I do. I do science. It's not an extraordinary thing for him. You know, what is extraordinary for him is if you tell him to wear a tutu and go dance in the desert somewhere, that'll be a really extraordinary thing for him because he would have to detach himself from who he thinks he is and try on something that for him is mind blowing, you know? That takes courage. And I, you know, so, um, so when I bump up against something that doesn't work for me in my life, I ask myself, you know, what, who am I really? Why am I getting so upset by this thing? You know, um, God, I mean, two days ago, I was in my car listening to this radio show and there was this political debate and they intentionally brought this this radio guy on who is intentionally he's like the most extreme left wing you could ever imagine okay which he was saying stuff it doesn't matter if he was left wing or right wing i mean it was just extreme 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 right and he was saying stuff and i that made me cringe while i was driving and i put my hand forward to close the radio cuz i couldn't handle it i was, I was couldn't handle it it was so angry you know and then i thought to, i had my finger on the dial and i thought to myself no 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 this isn't you you know it's like the, like handle it he's saying stuff and you don't like it it doesn't make you feel great so what just handle it you know oh cuz you come from cuz i come from a household which is a little more you know like more on the right of center so i so i don't have the tolerance to listen to this to this guy? No, that has, I have the tolerance to deal with anything. When I was born, I was born with the tolerance to deal with anything in life. So 
I don't know, that's a, um, I might be babbling too much, but living courageously is the ability to, to doubt who you think you are and to try on something new. That, that really turns me on. Well, you know, I, obviously, you know a little bit of my story, and I obviously, uh, I, I look at it from the point of view, if I've, I've had multiple identities in my life, I've changed identities. Um, I was one thing, and then I was something else, and then I was something else. And, and I, I, I resonate with that because I think it's, it's two parts. And, and no matter what you become or your new identity is, I have a new identity today, and there's things that I believe strongly and all that. But it's being able to challenge them now, challenge my my beliefs now, my identity now, being able to listen to people like you say, who totally disagree with what I believe. And, and it doesn't phase me because it's like, yeah, I, can, I am. I'm bigger than that. I can listen to it. I know at, at a, when I was younger, I couldn't because anybody who had a different opinion, well, how could they have that opinion? They're wrong. I'm right. I mean, come on. It's obvious I'm right and they're wrong. And rather than being able to see, you know, that, that um, it's a strength to have the courage to be able to tolerate other views, to listen to other people, to find compassion about other people when you don't want to, when you'd rather slap them in the head, maybe, you know, that's your initial reaction. But, you know, your other reaction is, yeah, but that's not who I am now. That's who I used to be. Yeah, I'd slap them in the head. But now it's like, well, let me let me find the compassion. Let me find the tolerance. Let me find the listening. Let me Let me be bigger to be able to absorb this and deal with it without it triggering things in me that it shouldn't. Um, you know, we're bigger than this, or we could be. We, we may not be, but we could be. And, and we could grow if we're willing to take that on. So I, you know, I like what you're saying about that. And I think that makes sense. And, and more people now need it, no matter what your politics are, what side of the uh, perspective you are, it's that ability to uh, be bigger um, and, and have a bigger identity and be a bigger person that would make your life better if you did it. Um, yeah. You know, and if, if, if for no other reason, do it for yourself. It ain't necessarily for others. Do it for yourself. So you have a, a bigger, happier, more joyful life. Do it, you know, and then do it for your family and your friends and it grows. But ha find a way to that place if you can. It's a good place to be. Yep. Uh, you know, another 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 take on that, by the way, Duffy, is like, see, that might be like kind of conceptual. Even the way that I said it might sound kind of like, yeah, just be another way. But another way to kind of bring it down to earth is just to, I try and get to my, for myself, I say, wow, I don't listen. I don't listen to people. And it really, it's really funny to me that everyone, if you stop, you know, a hundred people on the street, I promise you that 90, 90 of the hundred if you ask them, are you a good listener? will say yes, that they're a really good listener. Okay. Hey. And, but in reality, no one listens. Sure. And, I, and I don't even listen. See, cause when that guy was talking on the radio, I wasn't listening to a word that he was saying, right? I was listening to my own commentary and automatic backlash about what he was saying, you know? And, and so so, you know, it's really, it kind of, that's kind of what grounds me when I think to myself, when I, when I hate listening to someone, I think to myself, wow, I'm not listening to this guy at all. Let me just actually try and get what he's saying. And I might discover that there's like logic and sense and even some humanity and a lot of nice stuff in there that I was missing the whole time. True. Maybe.
True. Maybe not, but 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 not. At least you have a shot at it. Where the exactly. other one, you had no shot at it, right? You shut yeah. it, shut it down. You didn't. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Hey, I'm gonna try and pivot if you don't mind, because uh, no. we're we're getting up on the thing, and I want to talk about your music. And I would like to play. I mean, you have so many good songs, but I'd like to see if I can play one of them that that uh, that I particularly love. But I want to, if you would shine to share your music journey and what you accomplished and in Israel and then uh, worldwide with your music and just a little bit about that journey. And then I, if you don't mind, I'll play that one song for, for the audience. Cause I just, I, I, I think it's, um, it's just very cool. So let me Great. stop. So at, at the, at the end of business school, I was just finishing up uh, my, my degree in business and entrepreneurship and this really amazing, well, like probably one of the coolest uh, business programs in Israel at the university that I was studying at. And, um, and there were auditions for like, I guess you could, uh, uh, I guess you could, there was the biggest TV show, you know, kind of like American Idol, but like Israeli Idol. And uh, I went to auditions for that. And, um, and, uh, and I got in and I became a leading contestant on that show uh, came to fame really quick because that's what happens when you're on TV. You know, it's like a, it's unbelievable. Um, and I had a really powerful year, really strong year in the Israeli music industry. Um, got very well known. And then I wanted to move to LA to do music in English. So for the last uh, eight and a half years, that's where, you know, that's how you and I met. I was living in LA doing music there because that's where the global music industry was, uh, still is, of course. And, um, and that's it, just creating music, performing all over the place living the scene and uh, making music that I love. It was an amazing, amazing journey that is still is still going on today. And I today kind of live a double life. Um, and I say that with pride. Um, many people know me for like lots of people know me for uh, what I do outside of music, you know, in, in the business and the transformative coaching world. And other people know me for my musical capabilities. And I kind of thread the two. Um, I kind of like dancing at two weddings at the same time. And I love both things incredibly. And I do both things because I can. So, you know, who says that you only have to do one thing? Exactly. Well, definitely not you. You don't say that. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, I'm going to, I'm going to put up this uh, uh, picture uh, from the song. Maybe tell us a little bit about it. Then I'm going to try and play the song. If the technology works good for me, here we go. Um, so this is the song. If you can see on your screen. Um, yeah. So if you can just mention a little bit about that and uh, I, I so know this you is, of it. Yeah, this is a song called, the song is called Toda. Toda in Hebrew means thank you. Um, and I wrote it, uh, I, I released the single during COVID, uh, in the middle of COVID, where, I mean, this was a song, song that was just kind of like downloaded one day. I was praying one day in my apartment in Los Angeles and I'm telling you, like the whole song just like, bam, came down in one piece. I went to the piano and I wrote the, the music to it. And um, it's just a song of gratitude to remember that at the end of the day, whatever's going on, wherever I am, it, you know, just being grateful and saying thank you for, for everything, for the whole damn thing, for the whole damn thing. Um, I have to tell you real quick. Uh, I had a uh, I have a good friend from LA who had a heart attack and passed away about half a year ago. Okay, and and he had he has a 15 year old son, 
and his son came over to spend, uh, to Israel for like a program because, you know, he's the kids going through all kinds of stuff right now. And, um, and, uh, his, uh, his son stayed over my, my house for the weekend and I got to spend some time with him and I was sitting on the couch and this, ch- the kid said, he brought me to tears. I almost started crying. Right. I said, I told him, do other kids in school piss you off or something like that? He said, Oh, wait a second. The, the camera's going to come back on. Here we go. I said, do other kids in school, you know, say stuff to you? And he said, yeah, I was bullied a little bit. And, and, and he said, I said, what, what did they say that pissed you off? And he said, uh, he told me, one of the kids hates his parents. And he said, he said that if his parents would die, he wouldn't care. Okay. This mm. is like a 16 year old kid. And I said, how'd you feel with that? And he said, I was really angry, but I didn't say anything about it. And I said, why didn't you say anything about it? And he's like, I don't know. I didn't want to start a conflict. And I said, how do you feel about it? And he said, well, I'm actually really grateful. I said, grateful. What are you grateful about? You know, like, how could you be grateful that your dad suddenly died? at the age of 15. And he said, well, I have another friend who his dad died at the age of six. So I'm just so grateful that I got to be with my dad until the age of 15. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, I mean, I'm even tearing up right now. I'm like, my God, you know, like this kid was, the, you know, so there's always, you can actually be grateful for the whole thing, for all of it. And you get to say, how your life goes, you know, you don't have to be grateful, but you can, if you want to, if you say so. So that's what the song's about. It's called Toda. Thank you in Hebrew. All right. Let me try and get this up on the screen. And as we talk about that, let's see if I can. Um, Got me to do background music in the meantime. You, you may have to do something in the mean, meantime. Um, <laughs> well, we can keep talking, but that was a powerful moment. I'm trying to get this as, uh, I'm gonna stop screen. Try it again. Oops. And and another word about the song. And I think the song you're gonna put on it's 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 in it's the Hebrew version. So for anyone who's in the states and doesn't understand Hebrew, no, I think this is the um. I'm oh, the acoustic play, one. Yeah, I'm gonna play the one that you played together with everybody. Um, oh, good. And then I let's see if tell me are you seeing it? I'm not seeing it. I can hear it, but I'm not seeing it. You're hearing it, but you're not seeing it. All right, well, that's not good. Let's see if we can um, share the screen. Why is it? And in the night, sometimes I cry. Can't understand And if I'll find the road to reason in my life. Keep standing at this door, afraid to step inside. And how the seasons change. That's my brother, by the way. Like the dust oh, is it? Paths, and people wandering I, I, round. I love both versions Still of it. I, 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 I think I love the Hebrew the version better, but I love I've both versions. A silent grip. It puts my feet back on the ground. It's all the way it's meant to be. I hear the sound. Toda for everything you've given me. Toda for everything you always give. Toda for everything you give. Toda. Oh, no. 
which remains unseen you know my secrets my desires and where i've been i thought by now i could be free to know my purpose know my home and just be me and now the seasons change just like the dust on barren paths and people wandering round still disappointed from the past i've got a silent prayer that puts my feet back on the ground it's all the way it's meant to be i hear the sound Toda, for everything you've given me Toda, for everything you always give Toda. For everything you give to Toda, oh, Toda, for everything you've given me, Toda, for everything you always give to Toda, for everything you give to Toda. Thank you, thank you, uh, Ryan, and what a what a great song, man! I love it, and I love Thanks. the message, obviously, and and I'm so grateful to have met you and have you in my life, and uh, and I'm grateful for the way you show up in the world. Uh, I appreciate it, man. That's a beautiful song, brother. Thank you, thank you. And thank you. Um, coming close to kind of finishing up, so if you have any thoughts, but I, I'm gonna just quickly put up this uh, a little post of yours was like I think summarizes a little bit of your attitude um, and you get to say how your life goes uh, I just love that too and that just captures who you are um, but you know any anything you want to say you know to wrap up and also what what what's the future look like for you where are you headed obviously you you have two lives you have the business and the transformational coaching you have the music and, and you obviously get into more things than you can handle. And I identify with all that as well. So um, what do you have going forward and where, what, what's next? 
Well, what's next? The things that I'm really working on right now at the moment, I mean, there's all, there's, uh, there's a bunch of stuff, but the two main things right now is a, you know, on the, on the musical level, there are a bunch of new songs that are going to come out uh, this year. And um, anyone who wants to check out my music can find it, you know, on whatever social media platforms on, you can, on, on YouTube, on Instagram, Facebook. And of course you can hear songs on Spotify and Apple music. If you look for Ronnie, W music. It's R O N N Y W music. Okay. And, um, or just Ronnie R O N N Y space W on Spotify and Apple music. So that's in the musical realm. And the other thing that I'm working on, uh, very heavily right now, which is, uh, which is really incredible. And I love, we didn't get much to talk about it here is that I established the Israeli branch of, uh, Mark Kamen and Associates, which is a world-class, just one of the most incredible business consulting firms on the planet. And I mean, we work with over a hundred companies at any given time. I mean, we've worked with everything from Boeing to Ford Aerospace to the FBI to, you know, Wells Fargo and IBM and you name it, you know, giant companies all the way down to medium-sized companies and startups. And any company or business that wants to have a transformation in their organizational culture or wants to train and develop their leaders to be just, you know, the most extraordinary versions of who they really are and to chisel away at those ways of being that, you know, that don't work and to chisel away at them so that performance could just explode. You know, I'm talking from 100% to 500% leaps in performance. Um, that's that's our craft. That's what we do. That's what I do um, in my business life. And uh, I'm really excited to start that up here in Israel because, I mean, we need that more than ever here. You know, it just brings people together and it makes brings prosperity, peace of mind, resolution, and satisfaction to many, many people. And um, And of course, to get to that, anyone who's interested in you know, looking more into that world. If you have a business or an organization, you want to talk about that, then you can go to our website, which is uh, MKA, Mark Kamen Associates, mka-world.com, www.mka-world.com. So mka-world.com, mka-world.com. Yep. So we'll have to do another show at some point, but you know, this is the biggest problem uh, Ron, with all this is when I, you know, you, you go on and you got, you got an hour and you're like, that ain't going to happen. I mean, that ain't no way. So <laughs> you, you have way too much life and too much lessons and too much wisdom and too much experiences. And, and just like, you know, I, I love your social media because one thing I find is just, you're truly unique in the way that you like, you take things on and you get into conversations with people and you challenge people and you challenge, and then you challenge yourself and then you, you know, reverse what you might've said and rethink it and come up with a different perspective. And then you have a great sense of humor that, that uh, comes across in that. So if anybody wants to catch some of that, um, those great insights that you share on uh, Facebook and social media, that's also another place. Cause I, cause I always enjoy reading your stuff. It's always a blast. Yeah, you enjoy reading my stuff there, but the other half of the world gets pissed off when they read my stuff. But you know, but that's that's okay. That is true. That is true. But you know, it, it's it, that's another part of you. Maybe that's another identity because you provoke people, and in that provoking, some people can handle getting provoked, and some people can't. Unfortunately, I think you know 
it's healthier to be able, you know, like I hang out with people like when I'm on movie sets, my closest people, we spend the time making fun of each other. And we just goof on each other constantly where, you know, other people, would they, they watch it and they're like, well, how come you don't get offended? Because I love that person. He's just making fun. She's just making fun of me. We're doing the same out of love. And when you have that humor doesn't make you get upset if somebody said something about you or your family. Look, we're having fun together. We love each other. And that's just one form of it. But people need to like let go more and understand that, you know, the best way we get to appreciate each other is to have that kind of back and forth with each other and not, you know, you, you can't provoke me. I, I'm going to try and love you no matter what. You just can't. That's just who I am. It's just not what, what I want to be. Um, yeah. And that's when, what I get. When, you, you do. I don't do provoking. You do it. It's kind of like a, a, a comic talent that you got. And it's fun to watch. I must say it's fun to watch. It's I, it's uh, I, I take it as a I think it's important I, I don't know, call me crazy, but I think it's important to provoke life because, you know, to be an interruption, to interrupt people's lives, I think is a blessing, you know? And if someone just wants to watch TV for the rest of their life, you, you bet your ass I'm going to want to provoke you because <laughs> there's, I mean, whoever's watching this or this goes for any human being, okay? The amount of difference and that you can make with your life and who you really are is so big that it's beyond, you know, what's fathomable for you. But, you know, life, life just has a way that it goes on from day to day. You know, uh, Shakespeare said that life crawls at its petty pace. Mm. Just one day and another day. It's like just, you know, it's just this tranquilized obviousness of another day. And I'm going to watch TV again. And then, you know, and then suddenly you die some point right. you hit your deathbed and it's like the end and you think what the hell so so i any provocation is a blessing to me and if someone pisses me off by the way then it's an opportunity i take it as an opportunity to look like damn look at that there's <laughs> something in me that's like vulnerable you know i need to right. i need to get bigger i need to get right. bigger so well, i think that's a that's a great message to people uh, you know i i uh think that's a great way to live you know it's just uh provoke life, um, get bigger, man. Cause you know, there's just so much, uh, playing small is never going to lead to a, a good life. You got to play big, you got to play big and, and, and you got to get provoked like you say. So I think that's a great way to, to, uh, kind of come to the close. Anything else you want to say? I, I've had a blast talking to you. Um, you know, hopefully the next time we're going to do this, we'll do it together in Israel. That, that would be, that would Amen. be a, a provoking life to get get me over there and have a, a journey together. Amen. It's not a big provocation. It's eight hundred dollars away. You got a place to be. The last thing I want to say is that I love you. That you're awesome. Thanks for doing this. It's a, it, this is a really important thing. It's a big deal. And any any connection point, any access point to provoke people and to give them another point of view of who they really are and who they can be is a God-given blessing to humanity. So keep on doing this. It's awesome. And thank you for honoring me by inviting me to participate in this creation. Well, thank you, man. I, I love you too, brother. And, and, and you know, it's been, um, I, I always say I'm blessed. And, and I'm, obviously God has a bigger plan for my life than I ever had because I'm blessed by the people I meet. It's probably the biggest blessing in my life is to have come across and become brothers and friends with people like you 
who are living life uh, big and provoking life. And, and, you know, every day I wake up and I'm just freaking grateful that I get to have people like this in my life, like yourself. So I love you too, brother. And thank you for taking the time to, from Israel. I know it's late at night over there and thank you for joining me. All right. Thanks, JD. All right. Have a great Bye guys. You got it. All right. Well, that was a, 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 a wow. Just an amazing, amazing show, an amazing uh, amount of material, both incredible music. I love that song, Todai. And um, just Ron is an amazing uh, person. I think he shared a lot of experience, wisdom with you. And like I said, I'm blessed to know these courageous people like Ron who show up in the world and challenge us to live bigger, challenge us to um uh, be more than we than we're, we're showing up in the world right now. So I, I thank you to Ron. Thank you to everybody who's watching this show. Continue to watch. I'm going to continue to do it. Like I said, I got about 65 more amazing friends and it just keeps growing every day because it seems like I keep running into more people who become my friend that I want to share with the world. So thank you, everybody. Whatever you do, uh, please find a way to um, have faith over fear and live courageously. And until I see you next week with another great guest that you're going to love, uh, Lieutenant Colonel from the U.S. Marines, um, who's lived an amazing, courageous life as well. So Kevin Schmeagle. So please join me next Sunday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Live Courageously. And you can watch this show on YouTube on Live Courageously. You can watch this show on John Duffy on YouTube. Live Courageously and share it with your friends and uh, have a great day and God bless.